0: This episode of the Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com thecitadelcafe the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 466 for Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen ESC is back, and that is Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. Welcome back, my friend.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. It's
0: been a while. (laughs) It has been. It has been a hot minute. Uh, It's been a very, very busy May and uh the the summer weather is as, as here we're not supposed to talk about weather but i'm doing it anyway because my <laughs> air conditioner is broken and i want to complain about it so buckle up <laughs> 12 years ago i bought a portable ac unit uh with a former partner i ended up buying the rest of it off of them when they moved out and i could not live without it in this apartment i don't know if you've been around in here in the summertime but it is it is hot It is Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And working from home full time now for several years, it really is a problem if it gets too warm in here. And, uh, that LG portable AC lasted me like eight years or something. I thought that's pretty good. You know, like I got a long life out of that. I'll buy another one because eventually it did conk. So I bought an LG last summer. Well, last summer, there was some heat waves and stuff going on, and they were really hard to get a hold of. And then they sent it to the wrong address, and they sent it all the way to British Columbia and back. Came dinged up a little bit, not so much the unit inside, but the box was not in the best of shape, but it worked mm-hmm. fine. I didn't think anything of it. Worked great that year, worked great the year be- after. So sorry, I think I said I bought it last year. I bought it two years ago. So 2021. It is just coming up on the purchase date of two years and turned it on after properly cleaning it and storing it for the winter and it turns on all the computing situations and all the fan speeds everything works normal it just doesn't cool air it just blows it around Mm. so the compressor which sounds like it comes on just doesn't do its job so i uh, i phoned a couple of places in the city thinking like well there's a lot of hvac places that do repairs and houses and stuff maybe one of them does repairs on mobile units and uh two places responded both with the same reply saying like basically you have to buy a new one by the time you spend the hundred and sixty dollars for one of our technicians to come out and take a look at it and assess yeah. it and then you replace the compressor with a three hundred dollar compressor you are just going to have to go like you'd be better off to go buy a brand new one that has another year warranty on it and That's i thought well that is just peachy i uh and i'm not complaining about like i can afford it it's a place of privilege i get it but it's the principle of the thing. And you can bet your ass I'm not giving LG another 450 bucks. Uh, that's if I can mm. find one for that cheap. Everything at Home Depot that I looked quickly uh, the other day was at least $600 or more. Holy smokes. Yeah. No, not not cool. Now, this is, again, I want to say this is a floor unit. It's not a window unit because I need to move it. I, it has to be in my studio when I'm working during the day. Uh, if it's hot enough to use it. And at night, usually I have to use it to sleep because it just, it gets so warm in this old brick building uh, at night because these places were built to retain heat, not um, <laughs> not 40 degree days. Like as the summers around here get much, much hotter, um, it's becoming a problem. So um, I'm hoping to find one. I, I will give a shout out just because they were so nice to shine energy here in, in Dartmouth. I think they're in Burnside. I spoke right with Kim. Um, they didn't get any of my business because, of course, <laughs> they can't do they anything for me, right? <laughs> no, well, they, yeah, they, they basically they said they were nice enough to talk me out of it. Um, but uh, they like Kim was on the phone with her boss asking for recommendations for brands and like all this kind of stuff. It, they went above and beyond on the customer service, I have to say. So when I do eventually have a house that has an HVAC system. <laughs> shine energy will be at the top of the list if i ever need any help because they were really really cool and they seemed like they get it you know like they understand as a renter the plight of when these things break down you don't have like Insurance or a lot of capital that you can then put towards this stuff like these are things that you're adding to the environment unless you live in a you know in an air controlled building, but then you're probably well off and this doesn't really happen <laughs> all that often anyway so yeah it's it's one of those things where um it's I'm going to have to go buy a new one, and after a little bit of online research apparently they really are all just the same guts inside with different brand names on them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like televisions, right? Like, do you buy the Hisense TV? Do you buy the LG TV? Do you buy the Sony TV? You're going to get a little bit of bells and whistles when you get up to the Sony, but is it worth like the $4,000 price difference for the same size television? And right now, you know, from the research that I did over the last couple of years before I bought mine, you're better off to get, an off brand that has a good reputation and put the extra money into the bigger TV size that you want rather right. than spending an extra couple thousand dollars just to get like a Sony or, or an LG or whatever. Like, yes, they're great panels, but like, are you going to notice a $3,000 difference visually? Probably not. Right. Same with air, air conditioners. Apparently like you can get some fancy ones, you know, you can spend a thousand dollars if you want on an air conditioner, but I, I don't want to.
1: <laughs> you need a smart air conditioner It senses where you are and just follows you around the apartment. So wherever you are, it's cool.
0: Yeah, like a little droid that just blows on you the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little floating fan, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, like a a Roomba air conditioner that just...
0: (laughs) That would be fantastic. That would be really cool. Probably noisy, though.
1: Yeah, definitely more than their $600 range.
0: Yeah, that's probably true, too. Anyway, one of the things that Kim suggested, which I might look into, I'm not overly comfortable with it, though, and that is looking on Facebook Marketplace. And mm. my experience with Facebook Marketplace, I've only purchased one thing and it was a good purchase. I've not found the performance of the thing is that good compared to what I thought it was going to get. And that's the camera that I use for, for my Lego streams. Oh, really? But well, I don't know how much of that is. I might have the lo- wrong lens for what I'm doing. I can't figure out how to get it better. But if I looked at what I paid on marketplace versus what that camera goes for on like regular online sites, I got it for less than half price. So like, it's still a good deal and I still have a good camera body. It's just a matter of whether I want to invest in, in a lens. And most of the time, the the reason why I haven't done that is because I don't know how long I'm going to be keeping this setup for Lego. Like if I change the setup, then I want to make sure that I get the right lens for the new setup. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, what, what about it do you not like? I mean, I've tuned into your Lego streams and it looks fine.
0: It's a soft focus to me. I can't seem Uh, to figure it out. Like I just, when I, when I look at it, it doesn't feel like the Lego pieces are in focus and there's not a dang thing that I can do to get it to work. Like I just, I can't seem to to get it to to stay in focus and i and i think i think it's maybe because i've got the wrong lens or the camera is just either too far or too close to the table but i'm limited right now in in what i can do for the setup so and ultimately like i ended up losing like an entire week of my weekday mornings trying to research to figure out what's going on i just i could not get to the end of it watched countless youtube videos it's like all right whatever i'm i'm done because i'm using it for such a specific (laughs) use case you know, like people are like, here's how you achieve soft focus for selfie cams. Like, that's not what I want. Like, you know, like it's yeah. so hard to get the right search terms these days. So I need to, I need to do a little bit more. And I do have a couple of friends that are photographers and so I might be able to get one to come over and say like, look, this is what's going on. What can we do to kind of fix this? Figured out some of the lighting issues. And that was like an F-stop sort of situation that I needed to to address. And so that was a a slight learning curve, but nothing too crazy. Cause usually that kind of stuff doesn't happen on webcams. Like they're meant to be plug and play. And this is a little bit different. So I'm happy with the lighting and the video quality. There's no stutters. It's, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just, it's the picture that I feel is a little bit on the soft side. But, I mean, no one seems to complain. I'm just Mr. Perfectionist, and I yeah. I'd like to fix it up
1: Have you watched back any of your videos? Like, yeah. As a, as a viewer of your stream, I, I mean, I don't have it full screen when I'm watching mm. it because it's, you know, when you stream, I'm working. So I pop, you know, back and forth sometimes as a large file is saving or something like that. And, you know, the size of the window of your video that I'm seeing, I can't tell that it's soft focus.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't have anything that isn't like my monitor on my my PC is 2K. My Mac is 5K. My TV is 4K. Like I don't have anything that's not already high res. <laughs> right. So I ha- I don't have like a 1080p screen to just check it on um but <laughs> but it's uh fair enough yeah I which I mean I've and I've done that thing where like I size the screen to like what it should be, you know, like on my big monitor, but I, I still feel like it's just not there but because I right. but I can't tell because, um, I mean, the view screen on the camera, the camera's got an LCD on the back of it, but like, that's only an inch and a half wide. Like, I mean, even yeah, with my glasses funny. on, like you can you can sort of get your framing, but you're not gonna be checking quality on that, right? Like you need a proper mm. proper monitor for it. So anyway, there are some things I need to, to tweak about it and still some stuff to learn. But like that all happens in this 36 hour day that I don't possess. Because right now I'm researching <laughs> air conditioners and which ones to buy. Uh, which to bring me back to Facebook Marketplace is I don't know something I'm comfortable with. I've seen... Everything from like, make me an offer. Basically, this is refurbished and free, and or make your best offer, and I'll give it to you, sort of deal. Mm. On up to a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars, which is like, even if it only lasts a year, that's still better money than I have made over the last two, right? With the right. with the one that I bought, you know, two years ago. But then the rest of the time they get up into the three hundred to three hundred fifty. Well, I can get one at Costco for four forty. So, I'd rather for the extra hundred bucks not have to deal with somebody from Facebook marketplace and go get it yeah. and get a warranty I will probably just buy it from Costco which I, like I dislike that I have to spend money into a uh what's the planned obsolescence you know sort of marketplace yeah. of these portable air conditioners and like it bothers me but I I also cannot work this summer without one
1: and Costco's really you know for a big box store it's impressively great with warranties and just basically I forget what it, I was trying to remember what it was that I bought not too long ago and I asked them like if I get this like what's the return policy on it they say you know just don't make it you know as long as it doesn't look like you beat the crap out of it we'd be happy to you know we want you to be happy with your purchase here and so they I think it was an electronics thing and they said you can try it for 90 days hmm um, and if you don't like it in ninety days, as long as it still looks good, bring it back. It's like you serious? That's... Was it your
0: TV? Your new TV?
1: Uh, it might have been, but I feel like there was something else that I got there not too long ago, and it was just um. Regardless, it was a uh, an electronics thing. Could have been the TV, um. But they said, yeah, try it. Basically, try it for ninety days, and if you if you're not happy with it within you know after ninety days, you can bring it back, and and ninety days is huge. I mean. You know, if you, if you buy an iPhone from the Apple store, the place that actually makes them, you've got like 14, 15 days. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So having, having 90 days to be able to test out a piece of electronics was bonkers.
0: And I think that's just Costco choosing the right brands and standing by, you know, the fact that their their customers are paying for a membership, right? Mm-hmm. So you're at a premium already. I think that's smart also i don't know if this applies to their air conditioners but if costco every once in a while you'll see these places i think best buy does this too um where they'll offer like the in-house warranty like for an extra 15 or 20 dollars if you want to have like this special they all have this a different name for it but it's essentially a warranty where you don't have to deal with the manufacturer which can often be a pain in the butt and usually like a hotline that you have to call and and you're on hold forever
1: and send it away at your own cost. Exactly. Or, or you could or bring it
0: reason. directly back to the retailer in your you know, local city. And this is this kind of situation. Now that I have this track record, like granted, the first LG lasted almost 10 years. This next, the second one was two years and it's still a fan. Like it still moves air if I want it to, but it just doesn't cool anything. Mm. So if I decide to get something from Costco, which I'm leaning on, um, and they say, Hey, do you want to add? you know, this extra warranty to it, I'll be like, well, what does it cost? And if it's under twenty bucks, I'll just be like, Yep, sounds like a good plan. Sounds like a good yeah. deal. You know, because there's a good chance that this is probably gonna conk in the next two years. Yeah. So with, I don't know.
1: With this plan, if I bring it back to the store, can I just get a brand new one? <laughs> yes. Done. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So what have you been up to over the last little while in the in the nerdy sphere?
1: Actually been uh Doing a little bit of Lego building, so thank you very much to the generosity of Cosmic. You're an amazing human. I, I am also working on, and I'm saying also because Joel is streaming the same thing that I'm building at home, <laughs> the, the Ghostbusters Lego Ecto One set. I had considered streaming it online, but just because my with with the busyness of my family and having to drive everyone around to work and stuff, I just I haven't been able to stream as often or as consistently. So I knew that I wasn't going to get to streaming this anytime soon because it's been a while since i've done minecraft content so i kind of want to do that for a while (laughs) actually it's a good thing i started building it at home because now i'm i think you finished stage three on your stream did you
0: no just two
1: stage two okay but
0: both bag one and bag two had two bags each like there was a large bag and then a small bag of smaller pieces and i ran out of room as i was laying everything out um for folks that don't know i i I null out the pieces. So I lay all the pieces out in like right angles to one another for no other reason than to extend the play experience and to make videos longer <laughs> and, and hang out with chat longer.
1: Well, plus it looks cool.
0: But yeah, I mean, and, and it makes it makes finding pieces later <laughs> very, very oh, yeah. easy. It's just, it's yeah. tedious and it takes like for every bag, literally half the time is spent laying it out and then the other half the time is spent, you know, constructing it. But yes, I got I got through the first two stages. Uh, the last thing that I did was the sidecar turret thing? That's the last right. thing that I did. Right? Yeah.
1: I used this as an opportunity to, like, you know, just chat with my sons because we would we would build it. Like, uh, I would do a page, then one of my sons would do a page, and I did kind of had a Lego session with one of them, and then either later that same day or the next day, we had a, a Lego session where I would be hanging it with the other one. We just sit there and we chatted, and it, it's it's been really fun. I'm glad I didn't do it on stream because I have even even smaller real estate than you do. Like, I, I would be. Doing the build right in front of my my computer at my office desk, and I might have maybe fourteen inches deep by sixteen inches wide that my camera picks up. And now I'm on stage seven, and this thing it's it's either eighteen inches long or just over eighteen inches long. it it, it wouldn't it wouldn't fit in the build. It's it's huge. It's the biggest set that I own, but it's it's um which is hilarious. But at the same time, I, I gotta say cosmic, this is awesome because it, it it is. It's honestly my favorite build experience ever. I think. I think just you know, I, I love my Vespa scooter set that I got, but there are certain points when you're building it, if you kind of press pieces tight, then other pieces you put in earlier just they sort of mm-hmm. lean away and are loose, and just, yep. you, had, you had to be so precious with the, how you you know press this thing together. So in the end, it's it's a really nice display piece, but I don't really like to kind of handle it much. But I'm. I'm pushing down hard, squishing pieces together, and you can pick it up and just, you know, kind of shake it a bit, and there's nothing budging on it. It's just, it's been so, so what's the word? Satisfying in that sense because it feels like not only does it look cool, because if anyone's seen the box, it's set 10274, it looks really cool, but it feels really solid. And then, and I don't know about you, but that that the um the turret mechanism. That feels pretty darn cool to me, and then there's there's a couple of other mechanisms as well that I, I don't want to spoil because the reveal of how they worked when we were doing it was actually really cool so i'm I'm looking forward to seeing you do like these these points that i that I had gotten to already that when when you get a chance to do them it's very cool like even the front door the hinges are different than normal door hinges. And when it was going together, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know, Lego, this just seems, (laughs) Uh, and you know, as as cosmic always says in stream, trust the process, but I I wasn't sure. And then when it came together, I think my, my son and I at the time, we both at the same time went, Oh, that's cool. And we just (laughs) kept doing the mechanism, like just opening and closing the door. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's a really enjoyable build really solid looks cool and i mean it's like all the things you want and look for in a lego set this nails them to like the nth degree i'm pretty pleased
0: it's funny that you mentioned that because i had a couple of die cast car models when i was a kid they weren't dinkies they weren't like small play toys they were like display models that you'd have on Mm. your on your desk they were you know six or eight inches long but back back in the 80s they these things were made out of metal and uh you can still get some die cast metal models today for some specialist stuff but most of the time you end up with plastic stuff. <laughs> for nine thousand yeah well that's the other thing this was probably i don't know what this was it, from an expense point of view well back in the 80s one it would have been cheaper anyway but then two i wasn't i didn't buy it myself it was a gift right mm. birthday gift or christmas or something but i remember i'm pretty sure it was a camaro and it was red nice and the door, like the front door, you know, uh, would come out and the window was down and the, like the mirror would turn out with the door. And it was just such a satisfying, perfect fit, like metal to yeah. metal, like just absolutely seamless. And I remember sitting there, you'd supposed to be doing your homework and you're just like opening and closing the door, <laughs> you know, just because it, <laughs> it, so it, it was so satisfying because re- it was so, let just perfect the way that it, it shut. And, yeah. you know, it, I actually built the, I think it's called the sidecar or the the sidecar turret. I can't remember what it's called in the in the movie. I had to do it a second time because I built it wrong the first time. Because the first time right. I was trying to press it, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is working exactly how it should. Uh, yeah. And because I was figuring out how it was connecting, and was like this is supposed to be tighter, it feels like. And sure enough, I had missed a couple of plates. And something that is true of a lot of these more complicated. They're called the Icon series. So like Optimus Prime, Shuttle Discovery, Um, Ecto-1. I can't think of another one. There's a a couple more that are in this like Icon series. Oh, um, like the, I don't have them, but the the Picasso, the Starry Starry Night is one. Oh, right. Uh, I think maybe the world map. Like there's just, they don't really have, some of them are licensed, but some of them are not. Some of them are just like cool stuff. Oh, um, the DeLorean. That's the other one there are a lot of plates stacked up on top of one another to get very precise measurements and very precise thicknesses of certain pieces. Uh, very seldom are you dealing with like a normal Lego brick. You know, like most of the time you're dealing with plates or or yeah. like studded plates or smooth plates or whatever. And um, I had messed up and it was like, it's the difference of two millimeters and it makes a difference on these kind of mechanisms. But I like it too. I like the fact that, Not only do you push it out, it also rotates to face forward, just like in the film. So in the film, I think her name's Phoebe. She's Egon's Uh, granddaughter, I think. Yeah. I can't remember whether Phoebe is the character's name or whether it's the actor's name. I can't remember which. Uh, Great, great actor. Yeah. She's facing backwards in ecto-1 as they're driving around the town in the movie and then when they discover the sidecar she pops out sideways and it spins her around forwards and this the the lego kit does the same thing and like it spins forwards and it snaps like it doesn't just like slowly rotate there's (laughs) like a spring-loaded like chunk you know when you do it it's 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 very very satisfying
1: So good. And then you just, you you just push it back in with your finger and it rotates around and snaps back into place. It's like, if I were the person that figured that out, I would have just gone, well, you know what? That's it. I feel like I should be able to retire on this mechanism. That's just pretty (laughs) darn cool. (laughs) Uh,
0: Have you been over to my place since I completed the shuttle discovery? Have you seen that model?
1: I don't sadly it's been it's been a while
0: yeah so because it's it's the same size and I want to say the shuttle Discovery is like 18 inches long you know 12 Mm. or 14 inches at the wingspan and that didn't fit in my camera shot and I have a wider camera shot than you do
1: (laughs) so so yeah
0: Ecto-1 is going to be uh it's going to be tough uh especially because I think I have to think about a different way to lay out my pieces because ecto-1 being such a long build and i remember this with discovery as well when you start to um assemble everything sometimes lego says okay put the main thing aside and you're going to spend the next 20 minutes working on this thing that we will then yeah. attach to the main body but sometimes you're just dealing with the main body and you're just constantly like layering on these things so you gotta have a, a place to put it you know in front of you
1: yeah. And I just wouldn't have had that space. So
0: it's tricky. It is. It's definitely, it's definitely tricky. I've been actually thinking about, you know, if I ever got a second camera or a cheaper setup or like not a cheaper setup, but if I ever had like a better setup or a better computer having two shots, like I remember how yeah. you did picture in picture where you've got like the instructions and a PDF.
1: Which, which makes my, my, my visible space even smaller because right. I've well, got fair. two floating windows. But. Yeah. But I've got the instructions
0: yeah, like on the table in front of me. So that eats up some space in my shot as true. well. True, true. I try to have it mostly in the shot, but sometimes I can't. And it just, it's kind of off to the side. Um, it's not always that visible either because my, my overhead lights reflect off the magazine style books that Lego has. And so you can't always, the, the camera can't always see what I'm seeing anyway. Um, I think it would be cool to have, like, a table level shot, like across the table, of just like yeah. being able to see your fingers and maybe seeing pieces snap together. And for these larger builds, to be able to see, oh, okay, well, this is what it looks like at the table height. So even though the top down it doesn't fit all in shot, if you're looking at it from the end or like a three quarter down or something like that uh, in a close up, then you can see at least p- part of it in a better better situation you know a right. better not resolution but better clarity i guess because of the camera angle but i, I don't have another camera to mess with so i haven't, I haven't do you bothered. use
1: your phone for anything while you're streaming
0: i don't but i like having the phone free that's one of the reasons i invested in the new camera because i was right. using my phone and my phone was giving me super crisp video it just didn't give me the depth of field or the um the other controls that i wanted and like my phone is like my front door. it's you right. know like it, my phone is a lot of things, and if any family members needed to get a hold of me during the stream, then they just I wouldn't see it, so too bad, <laughs> yeah, so like so that kind of stuff I'd prefer I prefer to have my phone flexible. I have iPads though, but then like they're just so big, you know like they're da- that's not a small thing that you're then attaching to your table like they're large, yeah, yeah,
1: fair <laughs> large enough.
0: pieces of kit, right, and one of them is actually currently my um it's mounted up high right next to my microphone and that's my chat room. So I can see like my stream, my Streamlabs labs notifications and my Twitch chat. as like right there in front of me. I don't ever have to mm. type on it, but I don't have a monitor set up because my, my Lego desk is separate from my streaming PC. I use yeah. the streaming PC, but it's, it's next to it. It's not in front of it like you have. So like, I'm not sitting at a keyboard and mouse working on the Lego. I'm, I'm very much off to the side.
1: I'm admittedly jealous of uh, a dedicated Lego setup. That'd be so cool.
0: Well, it used to be a dedicated art setup, which doesn't get used anymore. So like there's an ebb and flow to to, to a still lot of creative. that. It's still creative. Yeah, no, it's still creative. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. As far as nerdy things for me, uh, this has all been in the last week, but the Xbox Games Showcase and Summer Game Fest is on right now. And there's been more beyond just the Xbox stuff. There was an Ubisoft presentation. There was a PC gaming presentation, although that was cringy and terrible. Um, the, oh, I, I had to, I'm there's a, there's a reason I don't watch these things live. Most of the time is because you really want to be able to skip through them. So whenever you see right. the, like the two presenters come on, you're like, fast forward, just get me to the next game trailer. And what I've been doing, uh, and I've mentioned them a number of times in this podcast, cause I really think they do good content. The blind wave crew blind wave on YouTube are doing reaction videos to, the showcases and the trailers and all that kind of stuff and some of these um games like star wars outlaws are having like half an hour gameplay reveals and discussions and so the blind wave crew are watching these but then doing their own commentary over it which is Mm. way more valuable way more entertaining than any scripted mic person that's just kind of like reading from a teleprompter in these presentations Um, That's cool. so yeah, so I, I check out blind wave and check out the summer games fest stuff. And that way you can just kind of like pick and choose a game or a genre of game that you're interested in and rather than just having to watch an entire, you know, um, presentation. However, because I pay for Xbox game pass, I wanted to check out the full Xbox uh, showcase. And I did that while I was like, you know, cooking and doing some stuff the other day. And there was a number of games released, but I picked four that stood out to me, Um, most of which are available on Game Pass, which is very, very cool because these are not like some rinky-dink little games. Starfield is the next RPG coming from Bethesda. So Fallout, Skyrim, like Mm. major, major player now owned by Xbox. And so Starfield is coming to Game Pass on September 6th. And Starfield is a space exploration RPG. And it looks phenomenal. Like it really, really looks interesting.
1: Yeah, I just popped the trailer on as you're speaking about it. Man, that's it's very pretty. <laughs> that's very cool. It's yeah. very pretty.
0: And I have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, so if any of these are available on PC, then I can I can stream it right from my PC. Uh, hopefully there'll be cross saves so that I can play on the PC and then also go back and play on the Xbox. Cause there is some stuff in Starfield that looks really cool. There's, you know, ship building, there's cruising around outer space. There's a lot of like first person shooter stuff and pirate stuff and cowboy stuff. It's, they called it NASA punk is there, is the art style that they use. So things look kind of realistic, but it's like, our kind of space exploration but like just with a little twist like a little oomph Mm. to make it just a little bit more sci-fi and so um i'm looking forward to to checking that out the starfield direct is like a 45 minute presentation that was at the end of the game showcase and that is very um focused and not at all full of fluff it's like developer interviews it's like q a there's no presentation goofiness nothing's scripted uh, I shouldn't say nothing. The things that are scripted were scripted very well, uh, and, and presented by like the game director or someone that understands what gamers are looking for, which is information about the game, not some skit, you know, like not some cringy, you know, one liner. Um, so, so it was very, very good. So if you're at all interested in Starfield after the trailer, check out the Starfield direct. It gives a lot of information about the game. It's one of those things where like, it's, it's going to have a story it's going to have a beginning middle and end i wish it was multiplayer but i i think it's just going to be a single-player rpg or I, i'm i'm near positive it's a single-player rpg which is why i want to stream it because i think i want to share that experience with people that content but man it does not look something like something that i will be able to get through very quickly like it's one of those things no. where like ooh, shiny there are a thousand planets that you can land on in the game
1: yeah It also looks like something that you wouldn't wouldn't want to get through quickly. No, exactly, exactly. But this is this
0: retails for like ninety dollars, and I get access to it because I pay for Game Pass, which is twenty dollars a month. But this isn't the only game that I get. You know, like I've been playing Mm -hmm. Forza for months, so that kind of stuff is is very very cool. Um, Quickly round out the other ones that caught my eye. South of Midnight looks very interesting. Uh, oh. The trailer animation really got me. It's almost Looks stop stunning. motion. It's very, yeah. very cool. Has a, has a little Spider-Verse vibe, you know, teaser. And <laughs> and uh, I'm unsure if the gameplay will be similar, but it, it's a third-person action adventure set in the Deep South. And the whole trailer is like a blues song. Very, very cool. Very creepy. Looks kind of like witch y Because the, the, it's revealed at the end of the trailer that the person singing the song is like a zombie. So... Uh, Looking forward to that. And it doesn't look like horror game zombie. It looks kind of like Nightmare Before Christmas zombie. Like that kind of whimsy to it. Uh, Spooky but a little bit goofy maybe. Path of the Goddess is another game that caught my eye. It's an action adventure set in the spirit realm with Japanese aesthetics. I just thought this looked super cool visually. I don't normally enjoy uh, games that are like dubbed and and brought over from, from other countries. Sometimes the animation is a little bit strange or Um, what those cultures are usually into is just not my thing. I'm not Mm poo-pooing it just like that. You know, they're not really my kind of games, but this looked bright and colorful and awesome. Very Mm. samurai-esque, but like you're fighting demons and things with feathers and like, it just, it's wild. And it reminds me of like the Mexican day of the dead. That's how bright and colorful it is. (laughs) And compared to every other game trailer that I'm leaving off of this list, that was a dark gray or brown horror game. I'm Mm. not kidding you. Like there were 12 trailers and six of them were brown. (laughs) It's like, what gives? These consoles can do all kinds (laughs) of stuff. Like, oh my gosh. I'm not a horror guy anyway. But this Path of the Goddess just stood out immediately. Like, oh wow, that's that's very, very bright and colorful. So I'm looking forward to that. And the last one, uh, this was a little bit on the brown and the gray side, but it got points because it was steampunk. Uh, it's called Clockwork Revolution, time-bending steampunk first-person RPG. I think Bioshock would come to mind for, for people that are, are you know familiar with that game. The very cool visuals, again, with the lighting and the rendering that you can achieve on the Xbox Series X look very, very cool. But then the gameplay was also neat because as the name suggests, you can stop time or you can mess with time. So there might be some puzzles in the game or some action in the game where it's going to be beneficial for you to like blow something up, but then reverse time and like, or get yourself past something, you know, like pause time Hmm. and get on the other side of someone and then back up. And I don't, but I don't know how that works, whether like if you reverse time, do all of your actions reverse or because you're the one controlling time. Can you do actions that are then not reversed when you rewind? Like it wasn't super clear because it's just a trailer, but it does look very cool. And the trailer wasn't like a cinematic trailer. There was a gameplay, the gameplay trailer right. within that too. So that, that just looks really fun. And as an, you know, you can, I think understand this too, but as an artist, like these games are all beautiful and they all have a yeah. really interesting appeal. And so even if the gameplay isn't like a hundred percent, my thing, the fact that I'm already paying for game pass, I have access to these the day that they launch with game pass And that I can go ahead and just experience these with no financial risk on my behalf and just be like, yeah, this is great. Or like, nope, this game sucks. Even if it's pretty, I'm just not into it. I think that's great. My problem is usually finding the time. I have two games right now that are installed on Game Pass. I don't remember the names of them because they're little indie games. One's a side scroller and the other one's like a puzzle game or something like that. Both of them are hand painted. Like they have like real 2D kind of artistry going on. Oh yeah, I just haven't sat down to play them yet. I installed them like two weeks ago, and I'm looking forward to <laughs> it. But it's, I either forget that they're there, or I only have a half an hour to like watch a YouTube video between lunch and streaming. I am like, well, I don't want to play yeah. it now. Like I kind of want two hours. So there's stuff like that I haven't really gotten into. But but that's what I've been taking in the last of the while. Xbox Showcase uh, with Starfield kind of leading the way and, and piquing my interest. I do want to stream that from the PC if I if I can. There's lots of games coming out. There was a PC game showcase today or yesterday and there was a lot of stuff there on Steam. Uh, I I feel like some of the stuff was available for Mac depending on platforms. Uh, I don't know how many games, you know, beyond Minecraft are played in your household. Um but there's um <laughs> there's some stuff out there. Uh No Man's Sky is available for Mac now. I know uh our friend Alistair was really excited about that.
1: Oh yeah. Nice.
0: So lots of cool video games. I'm hoping to talk a little bit more about games on the Citadel Cafe in the future. And review them in in the same way that I would watch a film or you know read a book or that kind of thing. So I'm hoping to kind of include those because some of these are going to have some good storytelling and stuff in them as well. But speaking of stories, you and I have got a couple of films that we wanted to talk about, and uh, we'll start off with you because I'm very curious about this, and (laughs) uh, I do want to go see it. So I mean, we can talk about both, but I I want to make sure that we either let our audiences know about spoilers or let one another know about spoilers cuz i don't know if you've seen the movie that i'm going to talk about either. So go ahead with yours and just i guess keep it spoiler free if we if we can.
1: Yeah, I, all of my notes are spoiler free. Okay. Um and so the the movie i'm talking about is Spider-Man: Across the Spider-Verse. And i'll just start off by saying Joel, if you're going to see it again and you don't have anyone planned to go see it with, um there. Like we will okay. just pick a day cool. and we will go. Like i i would have had I the money and the time, I would have turned right back around and walked back in and watched it a second time.
0: That's a good feeling.
1: Oh, man. Like, we, we rewatched Into the Spider-Verse last week, sort of in preparation to going to see this. And, and I'm, I'm so glad we did, because there was this, first of all, <laughs> brilliant film again. It was just so good to watch it. Plus, there were all of these little tiny things that I forgot about that made me laugh. And then they were referenced. Not directly referenced, but things came back up in the second movie. So it was just nice to go back and do that. So both movies are visually stunning, great storylines, and uh, just just great. So if you haven't seen the Into the Spider-Verse movie yet, pause here and go watch it now. Because it is <laughs> it is that good. And then the second one, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It felt like it was just so much better. Wow. Um, and, You know, my opinion on that may change a little bit, just that, you know, after the... Uh, the hoof uh, of having just seen it wears off a little bit. And I might go, yeah, they were just as good as each other. But I came out of there going, wow, that was just so good. So if you haven't seen the first one yet, going to give a little spoiler on it. The only, only beef I had about the first one, was in the final fight sequence, action sequence going on. There was a, like, Doc Ock was fighting against the three sp- the three main spider folk and got, like, super punched by, by Spider-Man, Miles Morales, then super punched by Spider-Gwen, and then spinning heel kicked by Peter Parker Spider-Man, and then double uppercut by Miles Morales and Gwen at the same time. And Doc Ock just kind of goes, she shakes it off, and then she comes running at them again. I'm like, um, I'm pretty sure Doc Ock's only super in the extra arms. Like, I don't think... And I, and I tried to, and I could be wrong if anybody wants to let us know, but I went I tried to find online before doing this, and it doesn't seem like Doc Ock is super, like in terms of the human body that's left outside of the arms. And like incredible, apparently very incredibly strong in terms of the arms can lift up to twenty four tons, but just, but like human wise, if you think it's Spider Man who can lift and throw a tank kind of thing, punches you in the face you might get knocked out. But either way, that's getting a little bit too, you know, splitty hair kind of thing. But, it, you know, the way that movie ends off is that um, if you've seen it, then you know that essentially Miles Morales lays down on the bed and then uh, special effects happen. And then the voiceover of Gwen comes back in and says, hey, Peter, how, how's it going? Basically, do you got a sec? And so the second movie basically picks up with Gwen in her world And then basically everything that takes place between the end of the first movie and then when Gwen shows up in the portal, like that's, that's the first segment and it is just stunning. It's just one of these things that I just want to gush about, but there's not really a ton I can say about it. I mean, we've got Shamik Moore and Haley Steinfeld back as Spider Heroes, Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy, respectively, of course. And then Luna, Lauren, Velez and Brian Tree Henry reprise the roles of Miles' parents, Rio and Jeff, Morales and... They're more significant roles in this movie, uh, which is great because it just you can kind of have more of a you get to see the relationship between Miles and the parents more. So it's which is really good. Um, Jake Johnson returns as Peter Parker, um, but you know these 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 ones are kind of no surprises because if you've seen the trailer or even the teaser, then you know that these characters are back in it. And so so for Jake Johnson, I liked New Girl. I know New Girl's not everyone's cup of tea, but. He was hilarious in that to me, and so he brings the same kind of wit and humor to this, this this version of Peter Parker. so he's not in it as much just because it's which is a bit of a drag because I like him, but it actually it suits the storyline so it just it makes sense that he's not in it as much. And then the movie also introduces um, other actors uh, Oscar Isaac, Jason Schwartzman, and Iseray or Isaray I'm sorry I'm mispronouncing it, but they, they come into kind of cool significant roles that I don't want to actually say. Because if I started talking about them at all, it'll kind of spoil some of the coolness factors of them. If you've right. already gone and looked on IMDb or kind of gone down the rabbit hole on some of these things before watching the movie, then you'll know.
0: I'm on IMDb right now and they're listing the characters' real names, not any kind of superhero names. So yes. in a cool way, they're not really spoiling it on IMDb, which is nice.
1: Fair enough. Yes. But I guess if you knew anything about the storyline already, it would make a lot of difference. Oh, like but. if you're a
0: big Spider-Man comic fan and you know the yeah. whole... Yeah, that's the same of like most of the comic fans kind of knew what was up going to see Avengers 2, but like they they still sure. were surprised by that where, you know, Marvel was taking the plot line. And so um, I'm familiar enough with Spider-Man. Uh, I was big into one of the cartoons. I can't remember which one back when it was on TV in the 90s. I, I, I don't think that this would be... Anything that I would be able to guess, the pl- like the the plot or the characters of, and it's been long enough that I mean a lot of it would be like I'm fine with a fresh take, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I honestly cannot think of a single solitary bad thing to say about this movie. I was pleasantly surprised and just at how good it was. There are very many movies that I walk out of, especially with Marvel movies these days, and I I do like Marvel, and so I kind of give give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. But yeah, just to walk out of this and just go, holy smokes. And, um, just the way we happen to sit in the theater, I was on the inside left, then my two sons and my wife on the far right. And at the end I leaned over and she just happened to look at me and there wasn't any expression on her face. I'm like, well, what did you, what did you think? She goes, oh, it was amazing. I said, yeah, okay, good. (laughs) It was (laughs) was hard to read at first. And we all just gushed about it on the way home.
0: Visually, does it have Mm. a lot of the same kind of characteristics and like comic panel, um and and animation style as the first one,
1: animation style. Yes, I would say some comic panel stuff, but not as much. But I, I didn't feel like I missed it. Um, the right. first part that that was in Gwen's world, it was. It was done differently. Like it, it had a different uh feel, different flavor, different color scheme, and and just. Had a lot like a softer feel, so I'm not familiar with what the drawings looked like in her comic series, but it was, it was, it was really, really well done. And it did the the style came up a couple of times throughout the movie, and we just kept going. Oh, it just looks so nice. And we talked about it afterwards, and just it wasn't like that it was a crazy stark contrast, but have have her world kind of be different from the main storyline world. It just felt like it had this. I don't know, in a weird way to calmness to it. Maybe that's not the right word, but it was just, it was it was really well done. Everything about the movie was stunning.
0: When they get into the Spider-Verse and they do cross into these different worlds, do they all have a different scheme to them? Like colors? Because in, in the first one, one of the Peter Parkers was
1: black and white. Yes. Slight spoiler, but doesn't really give away the storyline. Just for people who are purists and don't want to know anything. They don't actually go into very many different worlds. Okay. So it, it does happen, but it's more that I guess the spider folk from other world worlds become oh, present in, cool. in like the main one they're dealing with. So, and, and okay. they all have their own, <laughs> their own drawing style or rendering style to them, which is, uh, which is, which is really fun. I mean, it's, it's I, I guess it's similar in how they treated the first one where they were in the Miles Morales world. And the different drawing styles came in and were part of and part of that. So I forget whether you actually saw it or not, but everything everywhere all at once because it's a multiverse movie as well. There's just a couple little
0: Oh, I haven't seen it. I've heard great things. I haven't seen it yet.
1: I know it's not everyone's cup of tea stylistically, but it's uh they had a couple of nods to that movie throughout as well. So you know oh, one fun. one multiverse movie giving a nod to another multiverse movie it was uh it was pretty great.
0: What like what would you say are two or three of your favorite things about across the spider verse
1: the action was dialed up and didn't but didn't feel like it was too crazy all over the place it was uh yeah it was it was really intense in some places but they they handled it so well i liked the the growth of the character so i guess uh well this this story takes place a, a year and a half ish i believe it was after the first one so it felt like all of the characters were, you know, had matured that much. Like it it felt like it, it came out through the performances. And I felt that that was really well done as well. And uh, (laughs) it's funny. I'm just trying to think of what I could say that doesn't give anything away.
0: How old was Miles in the first one? Like what, 15, 16, something like that. I don't think he had a driver's
1: license. They mentioned he was 15 in this one. So he must've been really young, like either just 14 in the previous one. When you go back and watch the previous one, if you think of him as a 13-year-old kid, you can kind of go, yeah, okay, I, I see it, oh. especially after you watch the second one. Okay. And so, I mean, he's he's in and around the age of, you know, younger than my sons and some of my nephews. And I think physique-wise, he fits with, like, some of my nephews are high-level paddlers. And so, Miles Morales as a 15-year-old, I would say, would have matched their height and physique as a 15-year-old.
0: Right. So, he feels like a high school student now.
1: Yeah. With a couple of funny cameos. Actually, there was actually a, oh, I can't even talk about it. There's a good cameo in it, and then we we immediately jumped down the. Oh, wait a second. What? Why? Were, why were they there? Oh, wait a second. Let's go down the the rabbit hole and figured out like it does a good job of being its own movie, and then also doing things that link it to the greater MCU. That's nice. all I'll say. And it was just like I kind of figured moments that would where we were going. Oh, oh my goodness just go see it everyone just go watch the movie
0: when you get a movie like that that has so much jammed in it and so much of the experience is the whole thing rather yeah. than just one particular spot i remember trying to talk about some of the bigger Pole marvel movies without spoilers but you can't like you just, yeah. sometimes you just can't L- later season game of Thrones, same thing. Like you just, everything was happening all the time. Every time someone opened their mouth, it was important. So you couldn't talk yep. about it. Spoiler free. You kind of had to wait till everybody in the room had seen it and then talk about it that way.
1: Yeah. That's so good.
0: It's, it's on my list. I I've actually, speaking of stuff that's on my list for this month, I've flipped my, my tune uh, a few weeks ago when I was on the show with Brockett, I said that I probably would not go and see transformers in theaters Mm. and i've changed my mind i've seen a couple more trailers i i can't decide whether the fact that there's like 400 different trailers on youtube are either youtube trolls trying to get views or whether the movie is really not that good and they're just trying to super sell it hard with all these kind of different trailers Uh, i haven't been watching them because i don't want to see all of the transformer stuff on the small screen before i go to the big screen to see it but i've decided that it's probably not going to be the best plot wise, but visually it just looks so cool. I I just, yeah. I can't pass up the opportunity to go see Transformers in, in theater. So that's on slate for June, but so is this. They're, they're both yeah. up there. And so I'm going to go see both, I think this month and, and then I'll, obviously Transformers, I'll talk about it back on the show.
1: That's on my, my maybe list. So okay, depending on how you're, uh, who you go with and how that pans Timing, out, I might, yeah. I might tag along on that one, but. I, I, one other thing I'll say, I guess, without spoiling anything, is you yes, ask what am, one of my favorite things. Like the, the villain in this is pretty great. Okay. Um, so the introduction to the villain is pretty comedic, but then as they sort of realize who they are and and what they can do, then they grow into something that's pretty like it's just it's really well done. By the end of it, you're like, oh, geez, potential to be pretty devastating, and. And the rendering style from the beginning changes from the rendering style at the end as they've grown. It's just... Oh, that's cool. Just like a little icing on the cake. It's just really good. And oh, and I guess don't wait during the credits to see something else at the end because there's nothing. Once the movie's over, there's usually a scene that comes up that's, that's kind of comedic and funny. But this actually just says, Miles Morales will return in and then the, the next movie. Right. And then all of the, the black and white credits run. And then usually there's something else, but there's nothing there. All the lights just come on. So... Save yourselves 10 minutes and just leave when it's done. Now that I've just kind of <laughs> completely blabbed on about this movie, what uh, what have you been watching?
0: Well, I watched two. And in the same spirit as you watching Into the Spider-Verse before Across the Spider-Verse, I watched Avatar from 2009. Oh, yeah. And then I watched Avatar The Way of Water, which is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. It's been around for about a month on like Apple TV and... Oh, and Amazon to rent for like $6, but now it's on Disney, so you can just watch it as part of your Disney Plus subscription.
1: All right, add that to my list.
0: For folks that are you know, kind of not in the know, I mean obviously Avatar are, is one of the largest grossing films of all time, I think only overshadowed by Avengers uh Endgame probably. Uh, the budget yes. for The Way of Water it was 350 to 460 million. The revenue for Way of Water was 2.32 billion with a B when it came out. The reviews tend to land softly between six and seven out of 10 in that realm. Common critiques are the rather bland, unsurprising plot, the length of the film, because it's like three hours at least, Mm -hmm. uh, and a very slow pacing in spots that feel like they could have been cut out. Again, kind of citing the length of the film, saying like, look, it's a long movie it doesn't have to be this long most of the praises of course focus on the visuals the technology the art direction world building that that kind of stuff so um i i think where i'm going to start is the the pros because visually it's absolutely stunning Mm, Nice. you remember how impressed we all were with avatar even watching avatar 12 years later, or 13 years later, at home on my, on my TV was still very, very cool. Even the close-ups of the CG stood up. The only time yeah. in the original Avatar that you felt that the CG was wonky, it was when you're watching something like a mech, and the mech would look cool, but the human inside would not look cool.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It would look like a puppet, or it would look like they didn't line up the actor's eye line correctly. But all of the Navi stuff, even in the first one, was fine. In this one, you'd be hard pressed to find something that would take you out of it. Like, there's no Uncanny Valley. Uh, like, humans are humans. The the, the Navi are Navi. Uh, I mean, it's mostly Navi, which is cool. And they they do an absolutely seamless job. Like, not once during the film was I thinking like, oh, that's a green screen or oh, that's a set. Like, I'm sure if I watched it again, you know, I might catch it, but. You know, pretty, pretty solid experience. And then, of course, you've got the world building of Pandora, which just conceptually is very cool. And now you're taking it to a whole other area, which is the oceans and the, the story without any kind of plot reveal. So, again, I'm going to keep this spoiler free. The humans have returned to Pandora and Jake Sully is running kind of like Renegade Hits uh on Mm. on the supply lines and stuff like that trying to he's being he's a thorn in their side so instead of an all-out war they try to take out just jake like they just try to take out the leader of the insurgents he's the one with the know-how he's the leader they're trying to take him out and so it gets very personal which is different than like the one culture versus the other culture of the first avatar right it felt very colonialist in the first film oh yeah and this is more of like a revenge movie it's more of a vendetta sort of thing and uh as a result and this is how they get to the to the water tribe is, is jake takes his he takes natiri and his family now because he's got kids uh and they just they leave i can't remember the the name of the tree people but the tree tribe the wood tribe they they leave there and they go across the ocean to the water tribe to hide And so then they have to learn the ways of the water tribe. And so that's basically like the first kind of act and kind of sets up the rest of the film. And, and so by doing that, you're entering into all kinds of different stuff and you're a fish out of water, pardon the pun, because you're new to all of this stuff. But so are Jake and Natiri and the kids learning the ways of how the Metakaina, I think is how they say it in the film. And that's the water tribe. Right. And so that part was was really cool in that they use the film to kind of show you through the family like them learning how to fit in how you learn how how are the how is this different because they look different the water tribe they've got great big forearms and they've got webbed hands and and their tails aren't furry they're like reptile tails they're very flat like an iguana and so there's all these differences, even though they, they look very similar, but in a lot of ways also they, they look, um, in the same way that when you look at an avatar animated character, you can sort of see the actor, you know, in, inside right. there. Um, you can't always spot the actor. For example, I didn't realize that Kate Winslet was in it <laughs> until I saw the credits, but, uh, a lot of the water tribe are very, polynesian i guess in terms of the facial structures you know hawaii um polynesian islands philippines like that kind of stuff and it's difficult though because they have either larger eyes or certainly they all have blue eyes where most of the um the tree tribe have uh, or the woodland tribe have yellow eyes and so because they have blue eyes and they're blue they're kind of turquoisey their eyes just look bigger in general, than mm. than the tree, which is weird. Cause you would have thought that the, like the tree Navi would have been having bigger eyes. Anyway, I'm getting on a tangent, but again, like they're, they're all modeled really cool. So even, even the evolutionary differences in the Navi are are obvious and then you get into like the wildlife and you've got like the fish and the like i'm not gonna remember all the names but like there's there's the fish and the whales and there's what would be like a dolphin or you know um some things like that there's jellyfish there's all kinds of different things and sometimes they look like just kind of a traditional fish that you might see on earth with like a pandora twist and then other times they've got like six limbs and tentacles and teeth and jaws that open funny and there's a there's a shark attack thing that happens and that's you know pretty cool and terrifying uh very similar to the chase that happens in the first one i can't remember what it was called but it's essentially like the panther from the first movie when it chases jake in like the first you know first act yeah there's a similar kind of experience that you have in the water with a water predator in this and again like it's just so different and so cool it like not only have you not seen it before but you also just immediately know this is an avatar film like you could show that clip to somebody without showing the navi in it and people would just think is that avatar like just because it just, it just yeah. <laughs> looks like it belongs on pandora all that stuff was was really really cool and on top of the technology on top of all the animation in the world building and stuff like that you've got the acting and i'm going to layer in the captured acting and whatever they're doing in the animation to then either completely translate that or augment that and highlight that. But Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, uh, Jake Silly and Natiri. I mean, they're both good actors, but there's just something about the way that they handle the expressions in this film that takes it to the next level. And you mm, don't, you, cool. you stop thinking about them as the actors. The only thing I think that you get is like Zoe Saldana has a very distinct rasp in her voice when she yells like if she's angry or if she's exasperated or whatever mm-hmm. she has like kind of a hoarse scream she doesn't have like a big high-pitched stream she tends to go airy it's whenever gamora is yelling at peter quill like you get the same yeah, yeah. same thing and so that's where you kind of hear it but other than that you just you forget that they're actors like you just start oh, looking at so them good. as as these as the navi which is great the expressions and subtlety in the communications that's happening with Ronal, who is the Metakaina, I want to say queen. They don't really have titles like that, but she's the chief's wife. And that's um, Kate Winslet. Tanawari, played by Cliff Mm -hmm. Curtis, is the water tribe leader. He's the water tribe chief. Also very expressive and very cool. And then uh, Syria, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And that's the daughter of Ronal and Tanawari. And... She's played by Bailey Bass and not only is the animation of Tessaria really, really well done, but just the voice acting from Bailey Bass, she's soft and has, but has weight to it. She's very patient, I guess, in her Mm. delivery. And so that kind of stuff, it really comes through. And it, again, like you don't think at all about the people behind them. You just think about how real it looks like, wow, this looks good. And then you're right back into the emotion of whatever the scene is. And so much of the communication, especially between husband and wife in this, and that's true of, of Jake and Atiri as well, is nonverbal.
1: That's cool.
0: It's looks, the kids do something stupid and they both look at each other like, good Lord, like again, (laughs) like, like that kind of stuff. Or, or like the the kids of the water tribe and the kids of the the woodland tribe they get in trouble together and then both sets of parents look at each other and he's like with all the cultural differences they still are like yeah. teenagers <laughs> like you know and so that kind of stuff comes across which is which is nice there are some things that are poignant that I was surprised they did and I'll leave it at that uh, because some of the failings of the movie kind of lull you into a sense of security and mm. and and they get very predictable and so some choices that they make you're like really you went that bold i mean i guess i applaud it but like you drop the ball on so many other things this is where you decide to t- to kick a field goal <laughs> you know like oh, so interesting that kind of stuff is is a little bit of a pain another really cool thing is uh the connection that kiri who's played by sigourney weaver has to Pandora and Kiri is the same age as all of the teenage kids. Hmm. She almost has like a druid, like telekinesis with nature. Uh, if you remember Awa is the deity in, in Pandora, but it's right. As far as they're concerned, it's a deity. But as far as, as, um, the researchers are concerned, uh, which is Sigourney Weaver played Dr. Grace Augustine in the first film. She's the, like the lead researcher on the planet, the scientist. And she was like, they think it's a deity, but I'm telling you, this planet operates like a brain, like it has neural pathways and what they, they think they're communicating with a deity, but they're actually communicating with the planet and the the planet is communicating back to them. And that's what she was hypothesizing in the first film. But here you see Kiri basically having this ability to communicate with living things without even touching them. She's not like necessarily attaching her. Head-tail thing to them, and, and and bonding with them. She's just kind of like moving her hands about, and schools of fish are swimming around, or plankton, or jellyfish are doing whatever she kind of whims. And she's not forcing them to do anything; they're just kind of dancing, you know. Like it's mm. it's really really cool. And what's different is that she's being set up as a kind of like a bridge between, I think, human and Navi, because all of the avatars for the human characters. They have five fingers and then a, a purebred right. Navi has three fingers and you can tell that. And then because Jake and uh, Natiri have kids, the kids have five fingers because they actually have like a mix of DNA in them, right? Hmm. To the point where they get made fun of, like the kids get made fun of like for being demon children or whatever, because they've got five fingers. They're different. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the film too, but The way that they, they did this is that because Grace died in the first film, but she died when they were trying to move her consciousness from her body. She was shot and they're trying to move her body, her consciousness into her avatar body for permanently. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it failed because Grace was too weak. She was dying, but Kiri was born out of Grace's avatar that was inexplicably pregnant. They don't know who the father is. And I say father in quotation marks. Interesting. So it's like either Grace as a Navi was sleeping with somebody <laughs> or it's like an Awa thing. Like instead of being saved by Awa in that process at the end of the first film, she was reborn, which is a lot of the ways that the Navi talk about Awa. So it's they don't explain it in this movie. They just kind of give you hints, which I like. They don't mm. kind of beat you over the head with it. But Sigourney Weaver is playing Kiri as a teenager and they've like, they've twisted her voice to sound like a kid digitally, like after the fact. Right. So, so you still kind of very much feel like that it is not just like some random kid. It's like very much grace, but like as a teenager Navi, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to wrap your head around. Yeah. And so they got a lot of points for that for me because I thought like that, that has interest that has some longevity to it that has some spirituality to it i thought that was
1: good i'm curious how they were going to i mean i saw her in the imdb listing Mm. as a different character and i was just trying to figure out how does that how does that play that just doesn't seem it just felt like they were you know jamming her back into a different character for the sake of keeping her on you know the the movie billing or whatever Well, they
0: do that too not with her but they do that with other people okay she's also in flashbacks too So like, so like she shows up in like, you know, flashing back to talking about Pandora sometimes for the audience's benefit of like, Hey, remember this has been 13 years. This is kind of like the world that we're on, like that kind of stuff. Or, or Jake will be monologuing and remembering his time with Grace and they'll show like some lab footage that we didn't see before stuff like that. So, so she Mm -hmm. plays, um, Grace Augustine in this film, but just in flashbacks as well. And then, of course, I mean, it's it's an Avatar movie. There's fights. The humans are back. Anytime the action happens, it is spectacular. It's well shot. You don't get lost. There's always something new and cool because you're dealing with like bows and arrows versus bullets and helicopters, yeah, you yeah. know? Uh, and by this point, Natiri and Jake are like expert aviators. Like they're just the stuff that they do. And then they got to learn to, f- to, to, swim with the, the the water creatures and things like that it's it's very very cool nice and again the underwater scenes are both epic in some cases depending on what's going on also tranquil like there's a lot of like really calm really interesting sort of situations um they're beautifully done with some very interesting camera work and i would shout out something you'd recognize which is like the jetpack cam from the mandalorian you remember those shots yeah, yeah, yeah. So very similar, but like you're underwater with like a a, Pandora dolphin, you know, <laughs> like just stuff like that. You're flying through instead of the air. You're basically swimming at speed, you know, with a a Navi going in and around and upside down and stuff like that. It feels mm-hmm. like a roller coaster. It would have been trippy in an IMAX theater.
1: Yeah, pro- probably done specifically for the 3D experience.
0: I don't understand why they had. All the actors learn how to dive and hold their breath for six minutes. Like it seems really unnecessary, given that anything under the water in this movie is wholly animated. Mm. But at the same time, because you never question the animation and it's all motion capture, like you're probably looking at someone floating in real life. And that's why it looks real, is because yeah. the mocap is capturing them floating. Um, so I I I really now that I've seen it, I'd love to see like a, a forty five minute like making of documentary. Like I'm sure there are, it's out there. I'd like to see something in depth, not just like a little featurette for five minutes. Like I really want to know yeah. <sighs> the different stuff that they did and, and how they made it. Now that I've seen it, normally I do pros and cons, but I have something that's in the middle that I can't really decide how I feel about it. And you really don't feel very good or proud to be a human when you watch this movie yeah i get the message that they're trying to send you know environment humans are killing the planet humans murder animals for stupid reasons like i understand the message but for me it crossed a line from like quote unquote important message to feel bad guilt Hmm. and it's because they don't have any hope in the message it could be just because it's a middle film so in the same way that empire strikes back It doesn't have a lot of hope in it. Neither does this in terms of the message and what's going on. I didn't really need that. It doesn't smack you over the head in a monologue, but the humans in this are absolutely the villains. Mm. There's not a redeemable bone in any of them except for one. uh, And that is he's the doctor and he's played by one of the Concords. Jamie Clement. Oh, yeah. He's in it as one of the scientists, and and he's still doing some bad stuff, but he seems to be the only one with a conscience. Right. There are still humans that stayed behind from the first movie, and they're all good, but they're in it for like a heartbeat. They're really not in it that long. Every other human in it is just pure greed and or violence personified.
1: Just vile.
0: Yeah, which is kind of flat. And then that might be one of the reasons why you feel so villainized personally as a human watching this is because they don't round out any of the human characters. They're all just mm. evil. Like what we would perceive as like the worst among us on like 2023 is basically all of the humans in this movie. So, mm. um with the exception of like I said the handful that are with the Na'vi, but like other than that, it, so there's no redemption there, there's no arcs there. So they're not interesting right. either. Like they're one-trick ponies. Everything out of their mouth is just vile, right? It's like cartoon villain
1: Yeah, that's too bad.
0: And that brings me into the, I guess, we'll say the cons. And I'm not surprised because the plot of the first movie is not rocket science. No. You know, like it's it's The Last of the Mohicans, it's Pocahontas, it's, you know, um, English colonialism. There's all kinds of stuff in the first movie that has been done before. It's just you forgive so much of it because of how inventive the way that they tell it is this also has a bland rather predictable plot it's a straight-up revenge story you know in terms of the the major plot drivers the teenagers disobeying their parents over and over and over like it is the only reason that anything Glass. happens after the first act is that parents tell teenagers don't do this next thing the teenager does is exactly the opposite like it just, without any thought <laughs> oh, there's not even a dramatic pause sometimes. you're just like, oh God, here we go again. That kind of stuff is, is frustrating. The dialogue is really repetitive in places and that's true of everybody. The things that Jake says to Natiri, the things that Jake says to the kids, like if the kids aren't listening, just repeating it over and over again, it's not gonna, you're not making anything <laughs> more important. You know, like I keep telling you to stop do, doing that, but you don't tell them why. You know, like you don't say, like, I told you to behave, but you don't really put any real weight behind it. You don't express like the importance of the situation or the fact that you're embarrassing me. It's just repetitive. And that kind of stuff is a problem. There's also, um, as the kids, the teenagers are learning the ways of the water tribe and they're learning to hold their breath and breathe underwater. There's a lot of either the phrase like just breathe or just feel Oh, yeah. And that's it. They don't explain anything else beyond that. But they just repeat that like four or five times. Like, well, you're not teaching him anything. And and I'm not learning anything. So I don't know what you're doing. And I don't understand what's different about this teenage boy now versus 20 minutes ago in the right. learning the ways montage that he, what did he, what did he understand? Where was the Eureka moment? You don't get it. And so I don't know what he learned. And so that to me is, is odd. Hmm. It gets repetitive that way. And I think audiences are smarter than that. And that's where... You know, it, it, it falls apart a little bit. It's not all of it because again, this is all happening within so much cool visual culture and new culture with the water tribe. Like there are interesting aspects. It's only whenever they try to communicate that to someone else that it just kind of falls apart verbally. Right. But so much of it is nonverbal because when they're underwater, they can't talk. So there's a lot of like sign language and silent moments and stuff like that. That seems to be better. Like, you understand what two characters are doing. Like, the character that that Bailey Bass plays, again, like, she can communicate something to one of the other boys with just a look, right? Whether it's, like, a, I think you're cute, or whether it's, like, that was really cool, or I'm sorry my brother's being a dick. Like, this, all that kind of stuff is kind of <laughs> said, like, silently sometimes, you know, yeah. because the parents are yelling, and so the kids can't speak up because then they're going to get smacked. You know, so, like, they kind of, like, communicate silently as they're sheepishly. Staring at their toes. So that kind of stuff is cool, but verbally, sometimes it falls a little bit short. Hmm. The biggest part of the plot that I think got me was that as a middle film, there's no stakes. You don't have to worry that Jake's going to die because there's more than one of these films coming. So you're like, Natiri, maybe? But then they push back on that so hard with her prowess in battle. Like, she's fucking unstoppable in this and, it, and i don't mean that in a bad way that goes back up to all the action and stuff like whenever the the the, the navi are fighting it is breathtaking like it's a dance it's right. really really well done so then all right mom and dad are safe and so you kind of go through the movie like well what's going to happen and colonel cartridge is back he died in the first one And this isn't a spoiler. This is in the first like 10 minutes of the movie is that they retcon his death by telling you that before he went out into the final fight in the first movie, he saved his consciousness on a disc and sent it back to earth. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so he's now in an avatar body and he's leading the revenge mission against Jake because of course Jake and Natiri killed him. As far as he knows, he doesn't remember that because the recording of his memory happened before that fight. Like it is that's weak. The dumbest thing that, yeah, they could have gone so many different ways. They could have brought in a bigger badder, some other different villain that could have done anything they wanted within the human ranks that we know nothing about. Right? Like we don't see anything beyond the surface of Pandora and the mining operation. We don't know about the suits. We don't know about the companies, nothing. And they just bring him back. And it just feels so scripted. It feels so, well, he's back because he's contracted for three movies and we have to bring him back. Mm. There's even a part in this where he should die and he doesn't because the script says so. And like, it's, it's infuriating (laughs) because he's also, he's a one trick pony. Like he's a one note, you know, like he is the moment that you see him in the first movie, you're like, that's the bad guy. Because, (laughs) you know, like he's the, he's the high ranking military Southern accent, you know, always in a tank top showing off his muscles, bro, bad guy. Like it just, he's a cartoon and it doesn't change much in this. The only difference of course, is that now him and his squad are all in avatar bodies. And so they pose a bigger risk physically because of course they can do all the things that, that the, um, that the Navi can do. Right. But they have military training and explosives and guns and all that kind of stuff that, thing was annoying like I, I i'm cool with the humans and the corporation being the big bad but like i really feel like they could have brought in a more interesting villain actor character
1: easily basically anyone that wasn't like weakly reincarnated
0: and it's the kind of thing that happens in like a monologue in the first 10 minutes of the movie it's like you're not even really trying that hard <laughs> um, and that and that brings me to the other character that i really didn't like and was a waste of space which is spider And it's the humid kid slash pet that was shoehorned in for only one reason. He was too young, apparently, to go on cryosleep when at the end of the first movie, when they kick all the humans off and they leave, with the exception of a couple scientists that stay behind, there was one kid that couldn't go because they were too young for cryosleep. Spider. You want to know whose kid he is? It's Quaritch. Jeez. It's Colonel Quaritch's kids. And they tell you that. It's not even a secret. They just tell you that in the first 10 minutes. And you're like, so you're telling me that this three-year-old kid existed the entirety of the first Avatar film and we never heard about it? Bullshit. <laughs> it is the worst MacGuffin ever. And the kid exists in this movie and I won't spoil it, but the kid exists for one reason. One. And he has so much screen time. It's infuriating because he's annoying and he talks like a surfer, bro. I don't know where he learned it. (laughs) Like, I don't know where he learns to say like, Hey bro, like, I don't know why. Mm. I'm not sure why that's, that's his, his language. It's infuriating. And he has so many key moments in the film too, which not like plot spoiler, but like he presses a button or he kicks a thing or he does something or he pulls somebody over and distracts them. Or like he's just everywhere doing that stuff. Yeah. And you're just like, but you're, it's not, you're the dog. Like you're not even that important. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of stuff that you'd see in like the talking dog Disney character, like that kind of, yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> this gets into like the nitty gritty. So the big plots things and the, and the slowness of the movie and, and that kind of stuff are the big nags on it the the uh, the return of the idiot villain is not my favorite but again i'm not surprised i think that's the problem is that when that stuff happens with avatar you're not surprised because the first Mm. one is not like it's a nine out of ten right like it's a good it's a solid seven it's an entertaining movie i liked it rewatching it i didn't feel like i wasted my evening but you're not reinventing the wheel either and to wrap things up a couple little things Sigourney Weaver's character, when they change her voice, most of the time it works, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think it's only because Weaver is such a recognizable actor Mm. that you pick up on it and you're like, oh, that just sounds like a grown woman pretending to be a teenager. And the inflections are all great. And I think that speaks to her talent. I think that it's just Either the technology of changing her voice isn't quite there, or they just finished it and realized, well, it doesn't sound anything like Sigourney Weaver. So like now we've kind of gone too far. And so they dialed it back so that the viewer can pick up on some of the fact that it sounds like Sigourney Weaver. It's funny how the uncanny valley in this movie is a voice and nothing visual, (laughs) right?
1: Fair enough. That is interesting.
0: You pick up on it. And again, how much of that was me knowing the cast before I go in?
1: Dude, you, were you able to tell visually that it was her?
0: Yes, but not all the time. You could probably speak to this as a parent. If one of your kids moves a certain way and you go, that looks like my wife when he did that. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And that's what happens with this character is that there's a certain profile. There's a certain movement. I think again, because they're mocapping Sigourney Weaver, right? Um, Yeah. The way she stands, that kind of stuff. It is very cool. And I, and I do remember seeing, like, I think it was a Stephen Colbert interview where Sigourney Weaver was talking about how much fun she had on the movie because she got to play a a young character and reliving that as, as, as an older actor, I think would be really fun. Like, I think that would be an interesting experience, you know, emotionally, physically, all that kind of stuff. So, so it's there and it's, it's not bad. You just, you notice it, I think is is the thing. Hmm. And a couple of the aquatic creatures didn't really feel like they went outside of the box enough. I'm on the fence about this. So it's Hmm. not, I don't know if it's necessarily a con.
1: So like a little bit too much. Here's an earth animal, just Pandora it a little bit. No,
0: not so much that. It's more like, here's a, here's a, a, an land animal on Pandora, but with fins. Oh, gotcha. Think about something like the, um, the Ikron, which is what they fly on. Yeah. And the Elu, which is like a basic transportation for the, for water. It's an Ikron with fins instead of wings. Like it looks a little different. I mean, I mean, it looks different, but it it you can still immediately see the relationship. Yeah, and and I I mean, again, it. it makes it sort of makes sense in terms of like if you look at something like an iguana and a salamander, or you know a uh, a lizard, you know, in terms of you know on Earth versus uh, an aquatic lizard like a, an iguana, and you can see the similarities, but you can see the differences too. Yeah. They're so different uh, in terms of their function, but they just, they look very much like this, the sort of the same species, which again, like, I don't know where that lands for me. Like, it's sort of like from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense. The biologists that were consulted on this film probably thought this makes a lot of sense. This thing flies, Mm -hmm. this thing swims, but they're probably years, you know, millions of years apart in the evolutionary tree, but they eventually have some sort of similar ancestor, right? That maybe did both but it doesn't feel overly inspired from a sci-fi point of view. Yeah. Whereas if you get into the other things, I can't remember what they're called. They're like a swimming warrior mount, a swim wing, which is not the best translation, but it's called a Surak, I think is the name of it. That was really cool. So that had more aquatic vibes and looked more like a flying fish combined with like a swordfish. And that's what Jake Sully rides on. So he kind of gives up the the wings the ikron to have like a winged water serpent kind of thing right and so that's cool because that's it's different enough that like it moves different it, it has both air and aquatic capabilities like there's a bunch of different things that that make sense for that and then you also have like something like the Tulkun, which are the giant whales in the movie i can't think of another way to express it other than just it looks like a whale i'm sure it's meant to be evoke the feeling of of whales but they, I think, actually, to your point, are almost too similar to Earth whales. Mm. It's really a love letter to Earth whales, is what they are. And I get it. Again, message received. Yeah, it's bad that these things are endangered, and we should feel terrible about it. the The look of them is cool, but then also just kind of feels like a whale with six flippers, you know, instead of instead of two. <laughs> right. Um, it again not not saying that they're bad it's just that there's such a recognizable parallel between earth and some of these animals that it seems yeah. kind of strange but then again like you know the navi have two eyes and nose and mouth and walk on all fours yeah they got tails but they're very people like you know so yeah. like there's sci-fi like you have to kind of have some sort of recognizability and things that you can empathize with
1: but i think it does make sense i mean it's like evolution wise after the millions and billions of years that organisms have been around it's these form factors that have survived over others. So unless there was some strange anomaly that happened on another, or maybe not an anomaly, but just happened to be one evolution that happened one way on a different planet that then would supersede the whales that we know, you know, it's, it's plausible that the whale form factor would appear somewhere else, you know, something similar like that. Anyway, it
0: comes down to like efficiency. If you're going to be the size of a whale, there's so many, so many different ways that you can move through the water without it being inefficient and yeah, not making exactly. sense from a biological standpoint. So I, I get that there's probably a lot of that to it. But uh, I, I mean, still, despite these detractors, I didn't feel like I wasted my time. That's good. I, I really enjoyed this film visually. What it makes up for visually really helps with where it comes up short in some situations. I th- I think the only problem with it is that a lot of the problems with it happen later. And so you're left with that taste in your mouth uh. after being sat there for two and a half hours. <laughs> so like right. you're already getting kind of done and then you're like, oh, really? Like I waited all this time for this. And so that's <sighs> where it kind of leaves you. But really like the first hour and, and a half, like you're on the edge of your chair, just like soaking it all in and trying to learn and. that kind of stuff so again it's on disney plus i would recommend watching it especially if you if you even just liked the first one you'll probably like this one okay cool i would recommend it artistically and and visually from a sci-fi perspective like again it's 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 very very cool um in in its execution and i think to to wrap up that films like this really help push what filmmaking and technology is doing And then you end up with other films that can then springboard from this or go forward from this and you end up with other technology and other things that happen and just movies overall, the bar gets raised when things like this visually come out. I just think that maybe they need some better writers for, for the third one. I hope so anyway. I'd be curious though, to go back and take a look and see whether Empire Strikes Back was critically slammed for having some plot holes or leaving people feeling terrible when it first came out it's looked back on fondly now as part of a trilogy (laughs) but when it wasn't part of a trilogy that you knew of you know i wonder how that how that really landed Moving into the internet minute to wrap us up. This is brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Joining at any level will get you access to the member-only Discord server, as well as access to any to cut bonus audio sessions that we record. Special thanks go out to our being counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Thank you for your support of this episode patron count has hit 30 nice that's up three from the last time we recorded welcome in to all the new folks i hope you have found your way into the discord please say hello when you do our goal each week of course is to have at least one more patron than the previous episode if you would like to become patron number 31 visit patreon.com slash the cafe i have been busy this week i do not have a pick minecraft did this thing where they launched a new version <laughs> so what is your pick this week sir
1: I decided to pick something that was smack dab in the middle of the two things that I spoke about. (laughs) So it's an Across the Spider-Verse Lego trailer. (laughs) So 14-year-old Preston Mutanga recreated, completely recreated the trailer um, for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse using Legos. Basically posted on social media and said, hey, what do you think? And then caught the attention of Phil Lord and Chris Miller, both producers of the Lego movie and Spider-Man across the universe, and both of them, the men apparently floored when they discovered that it was created by a 14-year-old kid. It's funny, one of the, the quotes, and I think one of the tweets was, well done, where were you in 2004? Oh, wait, you were six. Basically referring back to when the Lego movie was made. So um, so yeah, the, the link will be included in the, the the notes for the show. Go watch it. It's, it's really well done. And maybe if you, if you want to stay a spoiler- Free as possible, then don't venture down into the comments below this because right. yeah, people talk about some stuff down in there that give away some stuff. So just go watch it and enjoy it because it's it's really well crafted. I'd say almost a hundred percent looks like it could have been a Lego version of this movie. Some some of the lighting to me was maybe a little bit off just when when some of the characters were talking, but it's really well done, really solid copy of the trailer. So yeah go and enjoy that. Well, that
0: wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, even YouTube, really wherever you can find a podcast, you can find the Citadel Cafe. And if you find the show on YouTube, please feel free to leave a comment or even leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. Word of mouth is still the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find links to everything I am up to online at joelduggan.com. That includes my other podcast about Minecraft. A little busy lately. Trails and Tales is out. And so we've been talking about that at thespunchunks.com. You can follow me at uh, Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch. Stephen, where can people find you online?
1: Mostly on Twitch as well. So twitch.tv slash And that's Stephen with a PH.
0: You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy and cheap, but you can only pick two.